1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. the poster said, See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG 13.
2: This is the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park.
0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast where thankfully we can be a little bit more positive again because Everton are coming into this off the back of a victory at the weekend. Uh, Everton got back to winning ways with a 2-0 victory over Norwich at Goodison Park. A goal in the first half from Andros Townsend from the penalty spot gave the Blues the advantage before Abdullai Decoré's strike in the second half secured all three points and made sure that Everton put their two Defeats last week firmly, firmly behind them. I am your host today, Adam Jones, joined by Dave Prentice, Connor O'Neill, and hopefully we'll be joined by Chris Beasley uh, very soon. Uh, we, we hope that he's, he's just chatting to someone in a, a, at the minute, but we're hoping that he can, he can join us a little bit later on. But we'll discuss, obviously, the win over Norwich, uh, the players who we thought played really well in that game. I'm sure there's a few that the lads want to discuss. Uh, we can talk about some interesting comments that Richarlison has recently made over his future and we can discuss another little update on Bramley Maud as well but Preno we will have to start at the weekend 2-0 uh, win over Norwich you know it wasn't a, wasn't the most exciting of victories but a wins a win isn't
1: it? Job done it was a it was a thoroughly professional performance um, quite enjoyed it you know you got to put it into the uh, against the backdrop of the players who were missing and the selection difficulties that the manager had. And um, yeah, OK, take into account that Norwich are on a dreadful run themselves at the moment. And, you know, they were there to be beaten and they look a poor side, to be honest. I mean, you look at the quality of the sides that have come off, how Brentford have done and how Watford have done. And uh, they look like significantly, you know, sort of below those two teams. But you've still got to beat them. And we did it professionally. I, I, I enjoyed it. I was quite positive about it. I was a little bit irked by some of the other negative you know social media reaction you see sometimes, but that's just the nature of social media, really, isn't it? You know, we've won 2-0, we've beaten a team that we be expected to be beaten, and we've got no more fresh injuries. So, you know, so I mean the Jordan Pickford stuff was reassuring afterwards. So, you know, so why be irked? Now good performance leaves us in a good solid position, and then we had the Brentford late Equalisers to enjoy later on, didn't we? So <laughs> it was uh, it was all very good as far as I was concerned. Mm. Well, I mean, Connor, going into this game, the pressure was on a little bit, wasn't it?
0: You know, this is Everton going into this game off the back of two. Pretty disappointing to feature, I have to say. We all saw that stat about Norwich having lost their last 15 Premier League games. It all just seemed to be pointing to one thing, didn't it? You know, uh, Everton last season di- didn't really do well in the home games that they were expected to win. But this time around, as Breno said, it was a very professional job, wasn't it? And that's that's got to be pleasing to see.
2: Yeah, I think that was the most pleasing thing because I think everyone... I was talking to Michael Ball yesterday for his whole column and, and he alluded to it. He said everyone had that doubt in the back of their minds of it's Everton, it's Norwich. Norwich is poor on the form, Everton who defeats on the bounce. He said everyone had that lingering thought in the back of their mind that, you know, things... If there's anything, Everton is going to matter today, it's, it's going to be Norwich's day. So I think that was the big thing. That was a big hill to overcome. And I think it's a big hill, a bigger hill than what people really make out because... Like I say, I had the, the form last year at home it was dreadful wasn't it? Especially against them lesser teams, Sheffield United, Fulham, Newcastle. You know the, the list goes on. So to to come go away with the way we did the three points and you know I think I know Norwich has a lot of possession in the second half, but they only really tested Pickford once. They, they only really called into any sort of real you know real kind of action at what one point in the second half. So it was a controlled performance. It was good. And if if everything grand themselves performs performance performance, as likes to Burnley, Norwich this season, then they'll certainly you know be be comfortably in the top half because that's what really cost them last year. They couldn't grind out them them, them important, you know, not very pleasing on the eye performances against lesser teams at home like they did on Saturday. So, you know, that that's the kind of blueprint now, I think, for like when Everton played them, say, for games, that they've just got to stick out and keep working hard and and hopefully when the chances come, they take it like, like they did on Saturday. Mm. I mean, of course,
0: Preno, it was a very professional team performance, as you say, but I think there were a few individual performances that stuck out to me and, you know, obviously... Andros Townsend, one of them again, isn't he? Getting on the score sheet yet again, fourth fourth goal of his Everton career so far, adding to three assists that he's got uh, over the course of his time in Everton. This time from the penalty spot, of course, making no mistake with that responsibility. I'm sure Richarlison was absolutely gutted wherever well, he was <laughs> in the stand, wasn't, bit, yeah. wasn't he? He, he? He would have been absolutely fuming going, oh, that should have been me. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it's great to see how uh, how quickly Andros Townsend's taken to life at Everton, isn't it?
1: I love the attitude. I mean, um yeah, we all thought at the time that there was a decision to be made and then obviously it goes to VAR and you know, so it takes forever, it seemed like to actually make the decision. Uh, but he got hold of the ball and immediately walked away with it. It's like, and he explained afterwards, you know, I just wanted to make sure that if it was given, you know, so I was on the spot. So, you know, so whether they'd had a discussion beforehand, and it was basically whoever feels the most confident, you know, so I gets it on this occasion, because obviously a number of like, you know, penalty takers weren't available on the day. You know, So he wanted to make sure he was that man. And that's just the attitude he's displayed ever since he arrived. You know, so he wants to make an impression. He wants to uh, be enthusiastic. He wants to impress. And he did so again. And uh, when you ally that kind of attitude to the quality he's showing, uh, you know, to the you know sort of the assists that he's produced and the goals he's scored, you've got you know sort of a very very favourable package all around. Uh, he, he was great, you know, so sort of thoroughly enjoyed his performance again. Tamari Gray showed again in flashes, uh, so sort of what he's all about. He was good. Um, might not be a popular uh, choice, but I thought Alex Arobi was much much improved uh, his performance on what he'd shown. Uh, the, in midweek against qpr. I thought what he did was 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 good, it was tidy, it was uh, it was creative. Uh not everybody agreed, I know, but that was just my view on it. I thought he uh he, he looked decent. And of course Decore. Takore is just absolutely top class. He's everywhere, isn't he? And he's he's fast becoming probably the most important member of the team, I would think. Possibly more so than Damari Gray or Andrews Townsend. Grey maybe might just edge that, but, you know, so he's just, he's so important in, you know, sort of driving the team forward and tracking back uh, and he's actually getting on the end of things now. As the manager said, he's given him a goals target already this season. I think it was five goals, was it six goals? And, you know, so he's already well on the way to, uh, to, you know, sort of whittling that down. So yeah, lots and lots of positives. If you look, I know some fans prefer to dwell on the negatives, but there were lots of positives to enjoy. And that's not even mentioning you know so how good Yerry Mina was. I know a lot of people you know really enjoyed his performance. So yeah, it was a good performance with uh, some very very solid high spots to enjoy. Hmm. I mean, we'll go on to the midfield and the defence a bit later on. But Connor,
0: I think Prenos right to talk about Andros Townsend's attitude. It was quite interesting to hear Rafa Benitez at the end of the game say that. You know, that 40, 50 yard dash that Townsend made to track back uh, and stop Brandon Williams on the counter-attack was actually what convinced him to take Townsend off in the end. Because he, cause he <laughs> thought at the end of that run, he was like, you know, yeah, he's going to be he's going to be absolutely exhausted after that. So I'm going to take him off. And, you know, as it proved, like Benitez did say that Townsend admitted to him that he was exhausted after making that run. But, you know, those... Those kinds of things are what Everton fans love to see, isn't it? You know, as well as getting goals and assists, it's it's that kind of effort and that kind of desire, isn't it, that's going to win the Everton fans over.
2: Yeah, absolutely, isn't it? I think it's it's really refreshing to see a new signer come in and really hit the ground running. I think, you know, we, we've we kind of, certainly over the last five years, we've had bits and starts, haven't we, with new signings is only probably really a Charleston to come in and, and hit the ground running. You know, people have been in and out, but he's just come in and hit the ground running. And to me, he just gets it, does he? he? just seems to get what Everton's all about. He seems to love the club. He seems to love, you know, playing at Goodison. He, he seems to just, he just gets it. And I think, you know, like you say there, that's the thing with Everton fans. I think you might not be the most technically brilliant football in the world, but if you put 100% in every week and you put a real shift in and you put, an, put, put the effort in, then you'll get rewards and you'll get plenty of praise. And, and that's what he's done so far. But the beauty of it being so far is he show moments of pure class and pure, you know, Brilliance, I know he scored a weekend to penalty, but you look against Burnley, you know, you are at some of the other games there on the season, Brighton, Leeds. He was so effective. And and that's the thing, if if you if you're gonna show that much effort and kind of commitment to the cause and match it up with a bit of individual brilliance and, and, and a bit of quality now and then, then the Everton Faithful will will take to you. That's exactly what's happened to him. He, he's been taken to, him and you know, all of a sudden the kind of the fears and the raised eyebrows and someone when he, you know Evan first linked with him in first become apparent that he was gonna sign off the club. Of all being kind of washed away now and it's it smiles. no one's got nothing but good things to say about him, which is testament to him as well I think because, you know, he could have probably easily come in and thought, well, I'm just going to be a squad player I'm just going to kind of, you know, I'm a free transfer maybe drift in and out now and then get the other 15, but he's just took his chance with both hands and he's he's absolutely excelled and, you know, I don't are dead there about the core, eh? it's becoming a, a real focal point but, you know, Tarleton's firmly established himself on the first names on the team sheet not just because of his, his effort and the beauty for me with Andres Towns is you know what you're gonna get from them. I think far too much time in the past we've all seen how I mean, we've had Event have had players, certainly attacking players and wingers. You just don't know what you're gonna get from them, you don't know what they're gonna produce, whether Alex they're going Toriby, to be. for example. Exactly. <laughs> Bernard, you know, yeah. one, one week one week they could be well beaters, the next they could look like they've never played football in their lives. Mm. You just don't know what you're gonna get. The beauty with Andres Towns is you know exactly what you're gonna get from them when we kill week out and that's you know that that's a real attribute that i have got to harness and, and look to move forward because you simply, you know. It's priceless, that, and, and he was priceless in, in, in the summer. So, yeah, he's been absolutely superb and you no know, long, may, long may his form continue. Mm. Well, I mean, we'll stick with you, Connor, to talk about
0: Decore and get your views on him. There was obviously, you know, if you've seen Match of the Day, there was obviously a lot of a lot of their pundits were you know, raving about Decore. And I think Preno was right in what he said. He does look like a different player this season. His attacking stats particularly have looked really impressive so far this season, but it's just... For me, it's it's just this perpetual motion. Like he's he can play just a one-touch pass, and then he's instantly running thirty yards, making making those sort of darting runs in between defenders or between the lines to try and pick up the ball again. And he's always looking to create things for either himself or somebody else this season, isn't he? And you know that's that's the kind of dynamic midfielder that Everton thought they were getting when they first signed them last summer, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean. I think the, the, the really interesting thing with Decore is, is that he seems to really kicked on again under Rafa and, and Rafa seems to give him a new lease of life. You know, when he came in under Carlo, we were all, you know, taken aback by him. Just I think more because he had legs in, in, in the middle of the field and he got about the pitches. And, and I know it sounds mad, but quite simply, Everton, Everton hadn't had that for a long time, I think, before yeah. he arrived at the club. So I think it was it was so refreshing. But this year, he just seems to have gone up another level. You know, like Pernod said, there, he's, he's getting on the ends of things, he's creating things, I mean, you know, I know, I know we, we always look at the goals, but you think of the assist for Demari Greggy you know, burning the ball, that one, you know, one ball, cut the, cut the back cut the back line out and Gregg was in. And for me, that's, he's become a real focal point to the team now. And I think the big thing for me, moving forward as well is, is that he's, an, he's someone now, the opposition, going to have to mark. He's going to become a marked man, which hopefully in turn will free up some of Everton's other attacking players to shine and, and come to life. Because I think in the past, we've, we've been, Certainly, you know, he's been one dimension. we've had but kind of that one standout forward, forward player who, and it's kind of like, you know, you think Lakaku, Calvert, Lewin, Richardson. Well, you know, if, if you look after them, you know, Everton pretty much won't you do no know, damage. Now it's a core the way he's playing. He's an, he's, it's another headache for the opposition to think about. They don't know where he's going to be playing because, like you've seen, you know, you'll, you'll look one well, minute, he'll be in front of the back four, the next he's, you know, he's, he's the fairest forward off the forwards. So for me, I think he's just he's become a real focal point now for the team and his energy. And the way he's taking taken his chance in front of the goal as well, it's just making him an all round better player. And you've got really got to give Benita's credit because he's getting the best out of him. You know, we, like I say, I think we also Carlo's getting the best out of him, but Rafa's coming in and he's, he's talking to another eleven, he's given a release of life. And, you know, maybe maybe Carlos should have given him some targets at the start of last season and we would have seen a new life because it's clear it's clearly had the effect Rafa wants, hasn't it? You give him a target and and and, he, and he's doing the business. So yeah, I think he's been he's become an absolute focal point now and again. You know, you look at Everton's midfield and. You just can't see no one getting in past Allen's to them in a kind they're just shooting every week because they are so effective and they are so vital to the, to the way Rafa plays and Rafa sets the team up. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at
1: 5pm Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
0: Well, Preno, we've obviously had seen and heard a lot of praise for Decorio over the last couple of days, but do you think because of that, Alan's going a little bit under the radar? I think he he's shown himself a little bit of you know extra attack and flair so far this season. He was the one who won the won the penalty, of course, by making a little burst into
1: the box. I think he has gone under the radar, yeah, and uh, he does deserve a lot of credit. He has had a very good start to the season, and uh, I worry about him sometimes because of that, like so sort of hamstring injury he had last season that you know so sort of came out of nowhere really when he was just like you know so sort of chasing down a ball. That my heart's always in me, uh, you know, sort of throat a little bit when you see him going on, you know, sort of runs longer than 10 and 15 meters. And that's because he is so important, uh, because it, it's a nice little partnership that they've got there. Um, you know, his defensive discipline in sitting in allows the core eight to make those, you know, lung bursting runs forward. And he's very, very good at filling in the holes behind and then you sort of tackling back and breaking things up. And the Perdom have had very, very good starts to the season. Dakota gets the headlines obviously because you know, so he's the one who scored goals and he's got on the end of things, uh, but as you say, you know, so Alan's not shy on getting forward, and you know, he was he was absolutely adamant it was a penalty, wasn't he? I was sort of showing the mark on his quad to the other uh, referee, um, and you know, it was it was a penalty, you know, so he was he was brought down, uh, so yeah, he probably has gone to the radar a little bit, and he does deserve credit because you know, so the Purham have been. Equally as good as each other this season, but you know for reasons that you understand, Decori probably gets the headlines a little bit more. So yeah, you know, so long made that fitness uh, and that freedom from injury continue. And mm. I mean,
0: the positives continue when we look further back into the defense as well. Connor kept a kept a clean sheet. I think they only conceded two shots on target, if I remember rightly. They were both from that Matthias Norman in each half, both from both from distance, and Pickford produced. Two good saves uh, to deal with both of them, but I think Preno mentioned it a little bit earlier. Yerry Mina was so so good on his return to the side, wasn't
2: he? Yeah, I think it was. It was that again. That reminds us, and I think Mina does that now and then. He comes back in and he has a real style of performance. You think, you know, I've I've got a real defender on the hands because I think we've all become, you know, certainly I, I did in the start of the season. We all become so fixated on getting Ben Godfrey back into the team as fast as we could. You know, you think of the. The Michael my McKe- Michael McKeen, mistake in Southampton and against Leeds and Everton, not really looking very assured at the back, and you know we were all kind of counting down the days for Ben Godfrey's return. But then you know you look at the you look at the weekends and you think, well, if Keane and Mina played that every week. Then you know Ben Godfrey might have to play it right back to to get himself in the team, or you know he could find himself on the sidelines. watching you know because the two of them were solid, and that's that's all you want. You just want your two centre backs to be solid and to defend properly. And if if Mina can. There's no there's ever been any doubt in me in his ability. It's just always seems his injury and in getting that run of form. But if he gets that run of form now and he keeps himself fit, then he could well establish himself as Evans' first choice centre back. There's no doubt about it. Um, but like I say, it's just it's just in making sure that he remains fit and he even he, he keeps his form because like we've seen before, you get to run the team, and then he gets injured, then you don't see him for four or five weeks, and then he starts to he to roll back now. So for him, I think it's just about staying fit and and, and, and keeping that form and maintaining them standards he set at the weekend. Hmm. do
0: you think do you think Yeri Mina
2: is Everton's best centre back?
1: It's oh, it, it's a tough one to be honest, because you know, there are occasions like the you know the weekend where he does look, you know, so an absolutely imposing presence that you know should be one of the first names on the team sheet. But then he has these little meltdowns every now and then, which are becoming less and less. I mean, the big problem with that, as ever with Yeri Mina, has been his fitness and it is um Consistency of appearance, you know, so being fit enough to actually play every week. Um, if he's fit for a prolonged period of time, yeah, he probably is. You know, so amongst the best, given that Ben Godfrey is struggling a bit, you know, so for form and fitness himself at the moment following his uh, his COVID experience. I thought Godfrey again was you know so much better at the weekends. Um, admittedly, you know, so in a right back role, but you know, he looked a little bit more like the Ben Godfrey that we enjoyed so much last season. But you know, if if everybody is fully fit and on their game and you know sort of playing as we'd expect you probably go for Godfrey Mina as you know your first choice pairing ahead of Michael Keane you know even though Keane's done okay but you know he has those little you know sort of failings you know sort of ability to make you know sort of silly mistakes every now and then so yeah you know so to answer your question yes if he can stay fit you know so if he can keep himself you know sort of ready for selection week after week after week and he hasn't done that so far so that's got to be the next challenge for him and I know it's easier said than done because you don't mean to get injured. But, you know, so there are things you can do to, you know, to so try and ensure that you're giving yourself the best possible opportunity of being as fit as you possibly can be. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed. You know, so let, let's cross our fingers and hope that he does get a good run at it and does get the chance to establish himself as a centre half that we know he can be. Mm. I think that's the interesting
0: thing, isn't it, really, Connor? That you, as Breno rightly says, I think probably Ben Godfrey and Yeti Mina, when Everybody's fit is probably our best centre back partnership, but I can't really remember all too many occasions that we've actually been able to play those two together. Was it maybe Leeds Away? I think is the is the one that sticks out to me last year, is the one that they played yeah. really well. We played really well together in that game. But I can't really think of many other occasions that
2: they've played together as a two, which is you know, it's a little bit frustrating, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think as well, in some respects, and I know we touched on Mina's injuries, but I think last season as well, a large part of that was down to Godfrey's own kind of the luxury to play across the back four. You know, we've seen him at left back, we've seen him at right back. So, you know, I think his own versatility kind of maybe denied just the chance to see them to see see them two in action. And I think it would be good to see them two in action. Um, I think it's quite interesting today. You know, Rafa's comment, as Neil said, Godfrey's, you know, kind of still 30% off where he needs to be. You know, he's, he's had COVID and he's, he's recovering and stuff like that, which. You know, again you can kind of understand why maybe he's been playing an hour and seventy minutes here and there before, you know, the two four nineties where he's played the last two games. But I think it would be nice to see them two, to to them two to, to get a run of games alongside just to see what they can offer because like you're saying, on paper it looks Everton's strongest and most kinds of dynamic and efficient partnership. But yet we've been we've been denied the option for so long. But like I say, I think at the same time injuries elsewhere across the back four might deny us that a little bit longer where obviously you know Ben Garfield having to fill in it right back at the minute so yeah it's frustrating I think again it's just it goes back to this that thing of frustration you know we, we saw it last year you know where we took touched on to Corey and, you know his injury last year where you think he would to stay fifth and that nine weeks you know what difference that could have made Alan you know if he hadn't got that if he hadn't done his hamstring just before Christmas you know Richard, it's just it just always seems to be that sense of frustration, just whatever, no matter what what parts of the pitches, you, you just think if only or if they haven't if they just stay fit. So hopefully now, you know, we'll get plays back and people will stay fit and we can start seeing kind of, you know, Godfrey and mean and getting a, a run of games and, and others getting the chance to stake a claim and and we can have competition for places like at the minute where the team pretty much picks itself and we have got a
1: few round pegs and, and square rolls. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of sad just going through me and my records book here because uh, just trying to find out you know so how many times they have played together and uh, mm. good good knowledge. You mean so Leeds was the last time you know so as a pairing in a flat back four, uh, but they also played you know so alongside each other in a three um, away at mm. West Brom. Oh, sorry, West Brom. I Mina mean was injured. Um, it was away at Brighton, nil-nil draw. Away at West Ham, one-nil win, another clean sheet. And then at home to Man City, you know, so where we got beat two 0 but you know, again, it was a solid enough performance. It was only a very late goal, so you know, the statistical evidence suggests that you know, so they do play together well. You know, so they did. Are, get him, get subbed quite
0: early in that Man City game as well? That seems. To, did, did did he pick up? Did he pick up an injury in the first half?
1: Game. Uh, okay. No, no, it was uh, where are We uh, Mason Holgate went off after eighty-seven minutes. Um, okay. Maybe I'm thinking of a different game. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, yeah, that was the only substitution that game. Like, you know, uh, but now the you know, suggestion is that yeah, they can play together and they can form you know an effective mm. partnership. So, like I said earlier, it's up to them to stay fit. You know, so mm. that they can do that and give the manager you know the opportunity to do that. Mm. Well, I mean, at the other end of the pitch, Prano, the
0: injury situation eventually led to yeah. uh, Rafa Benitez giving a young player a little a little debut at the end of the game as well, didn't it, Lewis Dobbin? coming off the bench for the last few minutes. 18-year-old striker, impressed a lot in the 18s and the 23s over the last couple of years. And, I mean, it's always nice to see an academy graduate giving a debut like that, isn't
1: it? It's great. I love to see stuff like that. Um, you know, and I, I love the explanation for it afterwards as well. It was because Lewis Dobbin had impressed in training sessions during the week, and uh, he's seeing this young lad, you know, so sort of giving absolutely everything. And I thought, right, OK, A, you deserve a place on the bench, and then B, because you've worked so hard, okay, you know, the game's won. Let's give you a couple of minutes at the end and, you know, so just, you know, enjoy yourself. So, yeah, it was. It was good to see. And it also sends out a little message then, doesn't it, to other people in the squad. That you know, so what you do on the training pitch is noticed uh, and will be rewarded. Uh, you never really got the opportunity to do much during that game. But, you know, as you saw on his social media post from himself, he loved the moment. He was very, very excited to make his first team debut. And uh, he needs to describe it as being better than he'd even dreamt it to be, which is great. You know, it, it's a home game. The fans absolutely love to see it. And it just needed a James Vaughan moment, didn't it? You know, sort of sliding <laughs> into it, just a knock on it, just down the street end, you know, so just to put the other cherry on the top. But, you know, regardless of that, he really enjoyed it. But, yeah, I enjoyed seeing it and I enjoyed the manager's explanation of why he did it as well. It was good to see and hopefully there be more of them as the season progresses. Well, I think that's the the key point, isn't it, Connor? I
0: mean, there might not be many more opportunities for Lewis Dobbin in the near future, you know, when Calvert-Lewin's back and Richarlison's back, with Rondon back to full fitness as well, and Ellis Sims, part of the first team set-off, there might be much fewer opportunities for Lewis Dobbin, but it should send a message to the rest of the under-23s really, shouldn't it, that if they do get the opportunity to even just step up and train with the first team, if the... Make a real impression and make a name for themselves in those sessions, then who knows? The door could be open for them to just be involved in a Premier League squad or even some, you know, get get themselves on a pitch in a, in some circumstances.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, you know, we kind of, I think it was much needed as well because I think obviously there's been a lot of talk, hasn't, you know, Thierry Small's exit kind of sparked it, but there's been a lot of talk over the last kind of 18 months, certainly when Carlo was in charge of, you know, academy graduates not really getting a look in, no matter how you know, depleted as we was or how much struggling we was, you know, they were kind of, I know, and only from know they got a, a run out of Brighton didn't need to, you know, a couple of minutes last season, but there was a kind of a feeling, well, why aren't, why aren't these kids getting a chance? You know, we've got them, surely we should be using them, you know, why are they continuing being snubbed? And I think it was massive in terms of that sense in that by, you know, Job and getting a run out, it does send a message to the, the academy and I think, you know, Rafa's come out and said, as he said, that, you know, a- anyone who impresses basically got a chance to, to come in. You know, Anthony Gordon, is in around, is stays with him because he's impressed. Clearly, you know, around first team training, and, not, and the club not chose not to send them all on loan. So, I think it is, it is a big statement of intent by Rafa as well. I think it shows that, you know, ultimately, if you if you put the hard yards in and training, you you can be rewarded. And, you know, you never know what's around the corner. So, you know, you could be on that bench as as a youngster, and someone gets an injured, in your position, you could get another to come on, and that's it. Then you could be, you know, you could be a set in stone if you do well. So, it it was it was nice to see, and I think it was important that the. The club went back to them, you know, values because you know, I've certainly grown up and know you had and I'm certainly, you know, Pennell will have seen it in his time. You know, uh, the youngsters coming through the club at will and, and being given first the opportunities and going on to stake a claim in the squad. And the last couple of years, that I've been frustrating because we've not had that kind of maybe conveyable. But it would be good to get back to that level. And, and like Pennell said as well, it, it's so nice to see, isn't it, as well? I mean, you know, uh, a youngster coming off the bench to smile, you know, you see him at the end where he's hugging Rafa on the pitch, and you know, it, it is it's a dream come true, isn't it, for, for, like, for youngsters. and. You, know, you can't help but just you know a smile yourself because you just look and think, well, you know, that that kid's done his you know done his dreams today. So yeah, I think it was it was good for the it was good important moment for the club to show that there is a pathway there and you know it was it was a, a, a nice to see the smile of the young lad coming off the pitch as well and, and just what it meant to him.
1: So sometimes it can take you by surprise as well, because you know, remember that last match of the season a few years ago against Norwich when uh, you know all the expectation was around Kieran Dowell. And, uh, you know, so sort of how he was ready and you waiting know, for his big, you know, first team breakthrough through. And it was a, a younger lad, you know, Tom Davis, who actually sort of appeared that day that probably surprised people a little bit more. And then, you know, sort of kicked on and, you know, so and eventually became a first team squad member at Everson, whereas, you know, sort of Dowell. Um, he was in the Norwich squad, wasn't he? <laughs> <He's not laughs> in right. Norwich, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, so it's, it's strange how it works sometimes. You know, so if you get that opportunity, you know, unexpectedly, sometimes you can take it, and uh, you know, sort and take people by surprise. So who knows? You know, so hopefully a few more appearances for Lewis Dobbin. I mean, the only person that probably was a little bit pressed off was Ellis Sims, but you know, <laughs> he's 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 come back from a long-term injury, hasn't he? He's only just available again. But yeah, I think he probably would have thought he'd be ahead of him in the in the pecking order. But up to Ellis Sims, then maybe to you know impress in training and get his opportunity. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
0: Well, I mean, Preno, I've seen a few on social media try and use this opportunity to take stock of how Rafa Benitez has started his time at Everton. Obviously, 13 points from a possible 18 in the Premier League is no mean feat and nothing to be sniffed at, but uh, obviously offset with a very disappointing defeat in the league cup early early exit against qpr i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ask you for like a number rating or anything like that but how how do you generally assess how uh, rafa benitez has started so far
1: very good i know people will automatically say um we've only beaten the teams that you would expect us to beat and i don't accept that uh i mean brighton could have gone top last night um, and, you know, so, you know, buff for a last minute, you know, so equaliser, I'm oh, sorry, he scored the last minute equaliser. But, you know, so they've only been beaten once all season by Everson, you know, so in a very, very impressive fashion. Leeds is never an easy place to go, you know, despite their results and you know the atmosphere there. Uh, so that was a good, solid result. I mean, as Connor mentioned earlier, you know, we had a lot of problems last season against teams like Burnley. You know, so last time Norwich came to St. Park, they won. So, you know, there's no such thing as, you know, oh, yeah, an easy fixture list that, you know, you expect to get results like that. You might expect to get results, but you don't always. Therefore, you've got to do the hard work and, you know, sort of the organisation and select the correct team to get them. And Rafa Benitez has. Uh, so now he's made a very, very impressive start. Uh, the players that he's brought in uh, have all fitted in well. And I know, you know, people are still raising their eyebrows now at Salomon Rondon. Why is it that Evertonians need to look for negatives all the time? Um, you know, the father hasn't played properly for four months and he's trying to find his fitness in the first team at the moment. You know, that's why he's struggling a little bit, but he's still offering a focal point. And in the absence of Dominic Carvert-Lewin and Allison, who else could we reasonably you know, select to play up front at the moment? Um, so the, the only downsides were, you know, the QPR game, obviously. And I know it was only a penalty shootout defeat, but the performance that night was poor. And that mad 15 minutes against Villa, when we'd actually played very well. And you, know, you could argue again, but for a decision by the referee, you it know, so didn't go Mari Gray's way, you know, it might have been different. We could argue the same with QPR. I'm still convinced the Corey was taken out for a penalty, you know, so we could have put us ahead, but wasn't given. So all in all, it's been I'd say it's been a very good start. Um, you know, we needed to have a positive start, you know, so to, to win some of the doubters around. And we're not hearing so many of them at the moment. so, so you know that suggests that the manager has done everything that's been asked of him, and it's still so, so early. You know, he's only brought a handful of players in that have cost next to nothing. He's not been able to spend anything in the transfer market. Yeah, he's already got you know sort of a high level of organisation, discipline, enthusiasm around the squad, made some difficult decisions, you know, sort are of being pushed through. So all in all, very, very positive. I think he's made a very good start to his, uh, his managerial stint at amazon
0: mm. And I suppose, Connor, when you're assessing Rafa Benitez's start at this point, you've got to say as well that... Everton's next two matches, either side of the international breaking in be against Manchester United and West Ham United. Obviously, two teams who have started the season very well themselves will have aspirations of European football themselves at the end of this season. Uh, so do you think they're gonna be, you know, benchmarkers for where Everton could
2: perhaps see themselves after those two matches? Yeah, I think they'll give us a good indication in terms of you know how kind of likely we are maybe to push for the top six place. Um, simply because they're two rivals who will be right up there for the top four, stroke, top six, and um, so I think it us a good indication. But I think if you look in the, you know, you look at the bigger picture and you think that you know, well, they haven't seen that Rafa took to United you know, in the, the preseason friendly the week before the season starts, and how much of a shambles it looked, and you know, they were three nil down after twenty five minutes, and you know, I, not, I was I was working that day, you know, doing the game and. You can't. it was hard not to there and think it's going to be a long hard season this you know it, it, you, i think every, every you know in, in true kind of doom and gloom, Everton style everyone got a little bit nervous and you think of where we are now when we go to there this weekend and you know the performances and how well organized Everton look and stuff like that the improvements that Rafa's has made in just the, the sports base time you know spans for that you know it, it's just one game i think you know a good indication to see where we are in terms of you know really taking on the, the top size in the division but it's just one game it's one game in the season you know if it doesn't go Everton's way you know it's it's simply it should, you know it's about dusting ourselves down and going again a week later at West Ham I think yeah it was a good indication but you know I think we've got to take these small improvements and as it goes over the season I think you know one thing what Rafa's been keen to talk about and a lot of other people have is you know it's a work in progress it, you know it's still very much a work in progress and it, it, it's if you, get a, if you can get a result great but if not then that's just you know kind of the way the way it goes and we, we don't just start ourselves down and go again but you look at the weekends and the way it's Aston Villa and United are certainly there if they're taken you know I think you know social doesn't get a good result tomorrow night he'll be under massive pressure on Saturday going into that one so Everton you know got to go there with the bit between the teeth and really take the game to United in my opinion and, and ask them questions and you know I, I think last year you think back when United come to Goodison and, and social was under pressure and he was talking rumours about his, his future and you know Everton simply that United off the hook that day. They, they were pretty poor. You know, they let United boss the game, let United bossed the midfield, and, and we ended up losing three convincingly three one. They can't afford to do that on Saturday. They've got to take the game to United, they've got to get at them and they've got to kind of enforce you know, enforce themselves in the game like Astonville did we'll the weekends. And if you get a positive result, great. If not, we just gotta adjust ourselves down and go go next uh, when after this national big against West Ham.
0: Hmm. Well, I mean, away from the pitch, we've had uh one player in particular over the last day or so is uh, grabbed a few of the headlines. Richarlison first put some Videos on social media of him working away in the Finch Farm gym, looking like he was raring to go to come back from his knee injury. So it'll be interesting to see whether he'll regain full fitness or not for that Manchester United game, or whether he's going to have to wait until after the international break. But he did later talk about his future uh, to, I think it was Argentinian media. Uh, He said, I'm always careful when I talk about it. I have a great affection for the people of Everton and for the club who received me so well from the first day I arrived. I don't know what the future holds. If one day I have to go, it must be good for me, but also for the club. But if I stay, I'll continue giving my life for this shirt and for the fans who have always supported me and were with me at all times. I have enormous gratitude and feel at home when I'm at Finch Farm or Goodison Park. Prano, what do you make of, what you make of comments like those? They struck me as, as very, very respectful, to be honest, of, you know, a, a player who obviously, obviously has ambition, doesn't he? But he's not exactly saying, "Oh, I, I, I hate to hear, I want to leave." He, he seems very, very
1: respectful of the opportunities that he's had at Everton and the gratitude that he still receives. Totally, it depends on whether you're a glass half full merchant or a glass half empty. Um, you know, you can choose to focus on the um, the line about, you know, my future is uncertain. You know, which some, you know, sort of outlets have done, or you can read as you have just done. You know, sort of the quotes in their entirety, and you know, so just analyze them for what they are. And you know, if one day I have to go, he's not saying he wants to go. If I have to go, it must be good for me, but also for the club. In other words, you know, so I'm, I'm not going to be agitating to get out. And if I stay, I continue to give my life for this shirt and for the fans. You know, that sounds pretty enthusiastic. And the fact that he loves Finch Farm, the fact that he loves Goodison Park, um, I think people sometimes just you know so put two and two together uh, where where Charles is concerned and see his demeanour because you know he's, he's not the most exuberant personality you know so he's always quite a serious individual you know so you could argue a little bit petulant sometimes uh, and he always looks like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders but you know that's you know out so on a football pitch where he's got doing the serious business of of playing football um you know that video of him in, in the gym was quite entertaining you know so you know Alan having a little bit of a, a bit of banter with him again he wasn't exactly cracking the biggest smile in the world but you know looked like he was enjoying himself but to me those comments didn't, you know, sort of fill me with alarm. They didn't, you know, sort of concern me at all. It was just, yeah, there's a lad who's, you know, sort of enjoying where he's at at the moment. And he's, you know, just basically saying, I don't know what the future holds and none of us do. You know, so what does the future hold? So he doesn't know himself, but, you know, so if he stays at Everton, he's more than happy to carry on, you know, so sort of doing everything he can, you know, so sort to of reward the people who've supported him. So absolutely nothing, you know, to concern me at all in that, you know, so I thought it was quite a good, honest and open, you know, sort of interview. It kind
0: of made it clear, doesn't it, Connor, what Everton need to do to keep hold of players like Richarlison? Because let's face it, at the end of the day, Richarlison's too good to be playing for a mid table Premier League club for much longer. He's going to want to, well, he's going to have aspirations to go and play European football, probably Champions League football very soon. He's going to want to win trophies. And if Everton aren't going to be able to provide the platform for him to be able to do that, then he is gonna have the the ambition to leave, isn't he? And you know, it, it kinda kinda sets Everton the challenge almost of, you know, put put in the project, make sure that it's all in place and perhaps they'll be able to keep hold of players like Richarlison in the future.
2: Yeah, it, it does, and I think that's the thing now, isn't it? You know, it, it's all well and good, you know, having having good players and you have you, got high high ambitions, but the club have got to match their ambitions and the club have got to strive to move forward and, and, and to meet the same goals that the player wants wants to reach, so you know. I think it's it's a warning, isn't it? To Everton, you know. Look, I, I want to be here, but we've got to we've got to continue to move forward. We've got to strive to you know look up the table and, and try and get you know European football and play European football. And I think they can the answer to them questions. I think that's probably the best answer they could give. Two questions about the future, because no doubt he's probably he's been asked about. You know, his future does he see his Everton, you know does he see him future Everton? And that's probably the best answer they could give because in a way he's not really kind of a, you know, he's not ruling out they might leave one day, but he's not, saying, he's not saying that he sees himself, you know, leaving Everton towards a bigger and better thing. So I think that was the, the best answer he could give. And, and like you say there, I don't think he, it's just not to Everton, though, it? to match their ambitions and to make sure that moving forward, they they have a, a kind of a real, you know, go at moving up the table and bringing better players in and, and looking to get, you know, break the top six and then possibly bring the top four and, Making sure that the Evans bet the better players want to stay and want to be around the club and they don't want to look to move, move on and, and play higher. So yeah, I think you know a lot of them will always be made of them. Whenever you know a player starts not boss's future, but I think when you consider what other players have said in the past around, similar questions, then I don't think anyone should really be too alarmed by what Charles had to say in, in response to them them questions. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a lot of the club's ambitions off the pitch, of
0: course, centre around Bramley Moor Dock. We mentioned it at the at uh, the top of the podcast. I've just been down to Bramley Mall Dock a couple of hours ago on a video that you can see on the Liverpool Echo's uh, Facebook page. It was pretty pretty wet and windy, but <laughs> it was actually, there was actually some activity going on there th- this time, which was more than you could say for the first time that I was down there a couple of months ago. Uh, Everton released a statement yesterday confirming that uh, the, the operation to rehouse the marine wildlife from inside the dock will be complete by the end of this week, and then they can get on to... The more exciting bits uh, as i've been told of actually infilling the dock of course and then you know in, in in a few months time actually being able to build on it but actually being able to see this sort of tangible process with your own eyes when you go down there you can see the diggers hard at work you can see you know the the op- new openings in the wall and everything like that
1: it's it, it it fills you with that a little bit more excitement isn't it that you can see it with your own eyes this time yeah, it does. I've not seen that video yet, but I'm looking forward to it because, you know, that that phrase, just the transferring of marine wildlife. <laughs> <laughs> they're, so they're, they're going fishing. They're, they're, going, you know, they're, they're moving fish from one part of the dock into the other part of the dock, <laughs> which is great. It? Again, it underlines, you know, so the, the levels of detail that have gone into this project um, and why they're wanting to keep all parties concerned completely happy and on board including including the environmental parties um you know so we know all about uh you know so that the heritage groups and what have you and you know so their their concerns uh but you know environmental groups will also be concerned at you know displacement of wildlife so are ever doing everything they possibly can to ensure that you know that is done in as you know so sort of humane and as you know sort of safe uh a possible away. so it's good to see. And yeah, you know, it's it's important. You know, so it would be my smile, and you know, so you know, raising at eyebrows. But it's very, very important. And it is, you know, so another little small step on the way to the big end product, which is, you know, some, the wonderful new staging that we hope to be in, and you know, so three, four years time. Yeah, that's got to be done first, and then you start filling it in. And then once it's filled in, that's when you know the real work can begin. So you know, little baby steps, you know, on the way to you know, so the ultimate, you know, end goal. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's all good. It's all positive. And uh, the fact that things are happening and they're being reported on and the club are being transparent about them and telling people uh, is excellent. You know, so it's all to be commended. Mm. I mean, that's it, isn't it, Conor? You know,
0: these sort of constant updates about it now, they do just keep putting a putting
2: a smile on your face, don't they? Well, it's just one step closer to the dream becoming reality, isn't it, right? in many respects? Because, you know, it's it's something that we all dreamt about and hope that it'll come, come true one day and, you know, all this, you know, work will eventually lead to, you know, what we dreamt about becoming a reality. And, you know, we'll have a, a lovely brand spanking new stadium to, to go and watch everything. And so, yeah, I think it, it's hard not to get kind of to smile. And, I mean, I you know I read that statement yesterday that they put out and, you know, it was none of the wires of actually what it meant. But, but it, no, but, I, I really <laughs> do want to know what a bubble care is to stop <laughs> ish getting, ish getting back into the dock. But 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 I did still smile. I think you know that sounds really good <laughs> yeah. like like Pennell said, there it's one step closer to you know it's it's more work and it's one step closer to you know to to us getting the ground. So yeah, I think it, it, any any update is positive for I them minute, mean, isn't it around Bramley more? You know it's it's more work. It's, it's it's more going on. You know there's there's you know these are things that you know a year ago people were concerned, saying like you know, when were they going to happen? Now they are happening. So it's it's all positive in that sense and. I just don't like the fact that poor Dave's just done someone's job at the service there by saying they're going fishing. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be someone listening to this. And think, it's just it's so much more than just fishing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, a nice, nice little positive end to the podcast. I think unfortunately, Chris Beasley couldn't join couldn't join us in the end. Clearly, clearly he's got tied up with better things to uh, to discuss than. Just sit here with us for uh, for forty minutes, but thank you it's all good. very it's much. For, uh... Yeah, it, it is his loss. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> well, thank you all very much for uh, joining us. Uh, we'll be back a little bit later on in the week to be previewing Everton's important trip to Old Trafford on Saturday afternoon. Me and well, Bees will be will be in attendance for that <laughs> one. Me and me and Chris <laughs> Beasley will be travelling down to that one on Saturday, but we'll be back a little bit later in the week to preview that after. Rafa Benitez's press conference a little bit later in the week. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast.
1: You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.